Welcome to the Love Cars on the Grid podcast, your global motorsport roundup with me, Tiffany Dell and Paul Woodman. Welcome to Love Cars on the Grid, your global motorsport podcast roundup. What a weekend because Formula One is back. Well, kind of. It's back with testing in Bahrain. Um, we looked this week also at a thrilling finish on Formula One yeah. in mm. Cape Town, South Africa. Uh, World Superbikes in Australia, down under. NASCAR in Fontana. And then we'll have a look at the week ahead, which, of course, is the official start to the Formula One season. But, Tiff, I want to start off with um, another RIP. It's a bit of a sad way to start. A positive and happy podcast, but Slim Borgard, I think you Yes. Yeah, I raced against him in Formula Three and stuff, so Slim, quite a character Slim was. And uh, he managed to get himself a few Grand Prix drives, and uh, he was very good, but never brilliant. And, uh, of course, he had this ABBA backing, you know, because he was a drummer for ABBA. Uh, well, they always say they never spent any money. Apparently, they just uh, let him put Abba on the car that would help him find more sponsorship. But, you know, he was he was good. He was good. And then, of course, he was a star of truck racing when the Formula One world didn't quite work out for him. Uh, he went to the European truck racing and uh, had some great battles with Steve Parrish, of course, who was uh, Britain's funniest, most favourite motorbiking truck driver. Have you ever tried um, the truck racing? Have you ever tried that at all? No, I tested one once in the early days. And, uh, weird, weird. I couldn't hand, handle that sort of 100 mile an hour when they run out of speed. That's it. You've got a speed limit at 100 miles an hour. Oh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> big, big old beast. So, um, R.O.P. to Slim, uh, and of course, like you said, he was the um, the drummer for ABBA, which is because uh, uh, there's also Rick Parfit Jr. He's a music- musician. There's a few yeah, musicians yeah. in in uh, motorsport. Yeah. Um, right, let's kick off. There's um, let's kick off with some news first. What news have you got? I got a couple of things. I got one really it, interesting, really interesting bit of news. We'll come on to the good juicy stuff in a minute, but. Haas have saved themselves $250,000 on distribution and they've gone from having a six or seven or eight seat pit wall. Um, you know, those couple of things that they have uh, yeah. with all the engineers. Three seat, three, three seat. So it will fit inside of. Um, but it, I always thought a lot of that stuff looks obscene, you know, to save a quarter of a million dollars, you know. It just shows how wastage the Formula One have come into it. I think this is where the, the, the cap has come as at a good time because it's made them, made them wake up to this fact that they are just bouncing money in all directions. For every time I see a race, you know, if Formula E's is bad and they, they always go to the garage, don't they? Well, there's about eight people all lined up looking at their screens, monitoring the power. And I mean, I'd, I'd cut out all car to, car to garage transmissions. They'd have no feedback at all. Let the driver have a little voltmeter on his thing or battery charge like we have in our road cars. Um, so I think it's brilliant that they cut it down to just three, and you probably don't need those on your pit wall. Save well, not a on the actual wall, minute. because of course they're, they're, it's like um, it's like air traffic air traffic control these days. It's not at the airport; it's off somewhere else. Same well, with the yeah. AR in football; it's off somewhere else, yeah, so yeah, the data yeah. can go other places. And Gunter also, I saw a brilliant little clip of Gunter. He's what a lovely character he is. He just seems like a uh, super <laughs> nice guy. Um, he was doing an interview, and the interviewer said, "Oh, sorry um, about the f bomb there. I hope our audience didn't mind." And Gunter was so confused when they stopped doing the interview. He said. What did I say? He said, well, you dropped the F-bomb. He said, no, I didn't. He said, I wanted, I like hugging the drivers, not <laughs> F-ing the drivers. <laughs> His accent. I um, didn't hear that one. It, was very, uh, it, was, it might have been an old clip, yeah. but we, we will come on to Drive to Survive as well, because, of course, Gunter is a bit of a hero on Drive to Survive. But what have you got in the news then, Tiff Nadell? Um, the, the, the greedy bloody group of 10, the greedy clique, 
They're now saying that instead of two hundred million pounds to enter Formula One, they think it should be six hundred million. And apparently, one of Formula One team's person said, and that was the minimum number mentioned in their meeting. So now, if Andretti want to come in and join the club, they've got to give them compensation of um, what's that, sixty million pounds per team. I've been thinking about this a lot. And it was your idea, and I don't mind crediting you with it when you have an idea. They don't come around very often. But why not 26 teams? Why not 26? And this 600 million, what a ridiculous figure. Encourage them. Get 26 teams. No, but they're going to lose money. Sorry, they're going to spread their greedy pot of gold wider. Have 26 cars on the grid. Because it would be phenomenal. It would be a good thing for the sport, in my opinion. But the other news is that Alpha Tari might Red Bull might be selling Alpha Tari, so Andretti that might be another way in. But then uh, the rumor is that the, they'd say it'd be a lot more than six hundred million to buy Alpha Tari's rights. Well, there's um, another another so, lad called Calvin Ho. He's a he's a Hong Kong billionaire, and I think a financier, uh, young and rich, and just really annoying. How uh, what what went wrong with us, Tim? Um, but uh, he's looking to come into Formula One in 2026. And the, the easy route, of course, is to buy another team. So maybe yeah. he'll be looking at uh, Alpha Tari, but um, or putting his own team in. So, uh, but he's not doing it for. Uh, he is a Formula One fan, but he's not doing it because he's a fan of Formula One. He's doing it because he wants to make money. Apparently, I don't think as many mm-hmm. teams make, make money. <laughs> Do now, though. But the, the other thing about costs of racing, you know, I think it's pretty the hassle. As you say, there's still a every Formula One team's got a, a team of engineers back at base on monitors watching everything and coming up with race strategy. But it, it is nice to downsize of their pit box. Um, but the other thing they want to downsize, and they've been talking about this for years, is these tyre warmers. I mean, again, they come up with the cost of them, the cost of transporting them, the, all the effort. And everyone keeps on saying, you know, let's dump tyre warmers. And it's come up for many years on the trot and it keeps on getting thrown back. You know, the drivers don't like it. And, and apparently there are going to be some tests after the British Grand Prix at Silverstone, and this is the next date, and then there'll be a vote afterwards. But there's no way the drivers are going to vote they're not to going to say, up. oh, yes, I want to go out on cold tyres, <laughs> oh, please. That might make, make, make me life harder. I don't want my drive harder. And then I had a Twitter saying, oh, Z- you know, Zanardi had his, lost his legs because he didn't have tyre warmers because he, he lost control accelerating out the pit lane, which is, you know, fair enough. But I think you can, you can, lose, you can lose control with hot tyres. You know, I don't think that's going to be a be-all. It just would add so much uh, to the racing in my mind, you know, that the pit stop would be more important and you might be less keen to have a pit stop. Um, so the strategy would be more interesting. And the better driver would go get to speed quicker and therefore and you know the talent what, of the driver yeah. would be more prominent this is what we want we want the driver's Absolutely. talent to be more prominent and you know what it'll cut out something that we both despise that silly jump in with one lap to go to get the fastest lap in the extra one point. yes that, was, that, that was, stop. Was, good point yes that. yes so in terms of liveries it was lovely to see the cars in Bahrain it's a bit of a bit yeah. of a nothing track really but um it was lovely to see the cars in in Bahrain and I think um People are with you on the Ferrari. They think the Ferrari, we discussed this last week. If you haven't heard it, please listen, have a, a catch up. Um, we discussed it. It seems to be the Ferrari seems to be the most one of the most popular, but it just seems to be the same old yeah, Ferrari. But the same old, same old, same old order. Yeah. We, by the way, we both lost our bet. I think I'm morally one. We said, who'd be quickest? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter about tyres and weight. We all know that. You went for science in the Ferrari. <laughs> well, the quickest Ferrari is Leclerc. They were the fourth quickest car. I went for uh, the quickest lap being um, 
George in the Mercedes, but in fact, the Mercedes was second fastest. And Lewis did the quickest lap time in the Mercedes. Because, of course, guess who was quickest? And it's not looking good for this year to come. Because <laughs> on the, 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 I've done the times for each team, the quickest time. Okay, they might not have had soft tyres. They might have been running empty and all that. But forgetting all that, just the facts of the figures was that Red Bull were quickest. 0.34 quicker than Mercedes, which is a lot of time in Formula 1 these days. And that was with Perez driving it. So uh, Max didn't get the quickest time for Red Bull. So because all Max, a bit Max purposely didn't go on soft tyres. He didn't go to set any fast yeah, lap. And he was unbelievably <laughs> confident after. So what's testing told us? What's the what's the Well, Mercedes, Mercedes got the lap time. But again, they weren't happy. And a lot of people watching the cars, they couldn't get on the throttle quick enough. And they didn't like the handling. They had an imbalance. Um, no porpoising. Nobody had any porpoising. I think the bumps seem to have gone because they've slightly changed the ride height of the of the skirts. So Mercedes were looking all all right on results, but not on sort of um, the mood in the tank in the camp wasn't good. Uh, but they were they were as I said they were point three slow in Mercedes. Um, Alfa Romeo came out third on the overall time list with Valtteri Bottas. So again, this is why we never take too much. But I think. I always think it does indicate, you know, which teams are having a better feel that they say let their drivers go out on the softer tyres. Uh, Ferrari fourth with Leclerc, and then Yuki Tsunoda fifth overall in the times. Alpha Tauri. So I think it just gets you in a mood. It's good. Haas were up there sixth with K Mag, Alonso seventh um, with the with the with the Aston Martins. Uh, well, the biggest team, I think, worst news of all the teams is McLaren. Yeah. And McLaren down what, eighth overall with Lando's lap time. Uh, his lap time was nearly two seconds slower than uh, the Red Bull time at the top of the times. Um, they're really, they, they've, it, it makes you wonder how they you know, build these new cars that they can't seem to change. You know, if you get a bad car at the beginning of the year, you seem to be stuck with it. And they all talked about their aero efficiency targets weren't met. Um, and they sort of, they used to have about two seasons ago, 2021, they had a very quick kind of straight line, but no, not enough downforce. And obviously there was an obvious thing. You get more downforce, you get more drags. So you're always trying to find that aero efficiency. You're fast and straight line like Red Bull is and got um, good downforce, which Red Bull has. That is where they're so good because they've got the downforce with minimum drag, minimal drag. Um, and apparently they're saying they've got, they've got a cure now, why they, they apparently knew before they went to Bahrain that they had this aero imbalance. They missed their targets. But they can't change it until Baku, fifth race of the season. They're already saying, we're stuck with this, but we can cure it come Baku. Wow. Because um, they haven't got their own wind tunnel. They, they use Toyota's wind tunneling in Cologne, so it's not exactly down the road like many teams. Not every team's got their own wind tunnel. But it seems like, how can you be so off target when you had your targets and then not and not be able to cure it until April almost. And it's just very one worry for them. Because I think, you know, I mean, Mercedes, we look at Mercedes, all the, all the aero tunnel they've got and all the, the backup and the engineers, they took all year virtually, didn't they, to get last year's horrible car uh, to be reasonably competitive. So I fear for McLaren this year, I can't see them turning it around. And that's really a shame for Philando and, um, of course, the new boy Piastri. You would think um, you would think it'd be a bit more dynamic. It just seems to be very slow and reactive, doesn't it? But yeah. you think they'd be much more proactive and, and certainly be able to get to that done with it. And McLaren not having their own wind tunnel really shocks me. You're building yeah. 
fastest. I think they've got one on track. I mean, they're all trying to build them. But my, as quick as they're building it, the wind tunnels, the FIA are banning wind tunnels. You know, use them less and less. But but it's like mm. it's, but everything nowadays. I mean, people are going to get jumped on for this. But um, like an aeroplane, is everything is is we rely on computers with everything we build nowadays. So like aeroplanes, you can't get a wind tunnel for an aeroplane. You can for a certain part. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I, I would imagine they would be able to do quite a lot on the computer. But yeah, very slow. Come on, guys. Other, we, we, if you need other, help, we'll, we'll get a bit of fag packet out and we'll draw on the back of that for you. We'll get, yeah, we'll get a quick go. Um, Alpine were all the, they were at the bottom of the timesheets. I mean, Williams were ninth. And I love Williams. They went out first two days. They ran more laps than anybody else. They were in the top six. They probably went for the low fuel soft tyres before anyone else. And I just think if I was a team manager, I'd always do that. It's just good for team morale, you know, oh, feel good factor. Yeah. And they ended up back virtually on the bottom in ninth place. And actually, funny enough, their quickest time was done by um, by their rookie, was done by the American sergeant. Logan Sargent did the quickest Williams time on day two, uh, which put them ahead of Alpine. If you took the day three result, then uh, Alpine were ninth and Williams were tenth with uh, Alexander Albon's lap time. But again, feel good factor for Sergeant. I was the quickest Williams driver at the test. Absolutely. Yeah, maybe, it, maybe, Albon, tires... maybe Albon, Albon might have had full tanks all the time. Anyway, you know. Well, but the, but Alpine, Alpine is the other one that's a worrying thing. And they did the cl- they did the classic, you know, whenever you're really bad off. They did lots of laps. So they just said, well, we never went for soft tires. We never went for low fuel. But why not? Yeah. To make your mechanics happy that are doing yeah. all the work, to make the team. Yeah. Why not just empty the fuel out? Put one in you... there, son. Put, get, get a banker in there. I know. <laughs> uh, and they said, and make your fans said, feel good. Make your sponsors feel good. Make everybody yeah. feel good. You, you uh, go yeah. from there and you get confidence. And, and the other teams on the grid are going to be thinking, bloody hell, last week Alpine <laughs> put in a lap of X, Y, or Z. <laughs> Only got to be a but good to... thing, surely. I think the biggest well, yeah. shock... Was, well, also because they just just to finish out with, they also said their quotes afterwards, and they said they wouldn't go for a lap time, and they've got a nice upgrade ready for the race weekend. So after all this year of designing their new car, they've got an upgrade <laughs> for one week's time. <laughs> Couldn't they've got that there for the main testing? It's amazing sometimes what these teams say. So you say no, no, no. Did the whole Aston Martin thing? Um, Lance, Lance Stroll injured himself, of course. Of course, yeah, we got that debate. So, yeah, so Lance, yeah, Lance Stroll injured himself uh, on a bike. He's okay, but he's hurt his wrist. He's doing some sim work this week to see if he's going to be available for the weekend. Now, the big mm. story of the weekend was so Drogovic stood in um, for the testing, but the big story was will Sebastian Vettel come and race, yeah. race, come back out of retirement and race? Forget this amazing rookie that's just come into Formula 1 as their, as their standing driver, as their reserve driver. Let's get the old guy that's retired that doesn't want anything to do with Formula no. 1 anymore. I, no. Admittedly, you know, some, some career that was. <laughs> what was all that about? What was their thinking? And, and the, well, Lots uh, of Twitters. A lot of Twitters were saying, brilliant, let's get wonderful. And ooh. I was tweeting, Dave, what are you up because I hate these kids not getting their breaks, you know. For a Formula 2 champion, you almost, I would have that idea an FIA would sponsor the Formula 2 champion and buy a seat at a Haas or an Alpine at the back for every year. So you always had the Formula 2 champion on the grid. And I think it's wonderful if Drogovic can make that one Grand Prix start. So I'm hoping Lance's wrist will be a bit injured. Oh, just I for, really just hope for so. Now. Just for, yeah, just for but, um, Lance's, yeah, Lance's. I, did, I actually did a tweet. I did a tweet poll, in fact. I, it was after Drew, they said it wouldn't be uh, Vettel. I said, you know, who would you rather have, a former two champion or, or an old champion? Uh, and luckily, 70% said they'd rather have the young boy than to see Vettel come back for one more race. Pointless. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. And uh, uh, absence by 
conspicuous by his absence, I should say, who wasn't there that lives in the Middle East? <laughs> who wasn't there that lives in the Middle East? Yeah, Probably quite... Bin Slade. Bin, mm-hmm. Was it Bin? Mm-hmm. Bin? Bin's binned himself again. <laughs> He has. Well, he, That's sending a message, hiding. isn't it? I mean, he prob- probably probably uh, a forty-five minute flight away from uh, Bahrain <laughs> and um, <laughs> decided not to go because there's a big fallout there with uh, with him. So uh, it's exciting, anyway. I mean, well, looking ahead, yeah, but it looks like a Red Bull weekend ahead of us. Oh. You know, um, Ferrari maybe great race pace. Ferrari's still. I think that the, there's not be much change in the pecking order. The Mercedes are starting on the front foot if they can. I think because with their you know, background of engineers, they know what the problems were. Maybe they can spend this week, you know, on the simulators. Um, that's what they'll be doing. They'll be going round and round on simulators all week now. So yeah, it could be Mercedes. It could we could have that six cars battling for the lead. And uh, I think and two course, cars battling for the lead, and and four cars battling for second, third, uh, fourth, fifth. It's Mercedes from and Ferrari. Alpha and- Tauri. Mm, I just think I think Red Bull are out there on their own, but who knows? Let's see. Let's see what happens next week. It's gonna be it's gonna be super exciting anyway. Can we go to some proper Hollywood drama? Can we go to Drive Ooh, to Survive? I love a bit now, of that. Please? Love a bit of that. Well, you can go to Drive to Survive because I'm not going to waste any more of my life. I've, I think I watched two episodes of the first series, and that's it. I'm not bothering with all this. I mean, they 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 cheat the whole thing. They just create the stories and use bits from different races, don't they? I don't know. I'm not. That's exactly I'm not right. Proof of that? You're, no, you're exactly right. Well, I've got proof straight from the horse's mouth. Lando Norris, who was interviewed and uh, on a on a much more successful podcast than ours, um, <laughs> he, he was interviewed and said that uh, this is ridiculous because his audio says. He's forcing me off the road. He's forcing me off the road. But it's from yeah. a completely different race. He no. said, look at the room I've got. Look at the room I've got. This is this is Hollywood. So I haven't watched it. I will not watch it. I, I'm, I'm going to boycott it. In fact, I went off it on season, a bit like you. I watched one and two. Three, I watched a bit of. Four, I couldn't watch because of the whole Abu Dhabi thing. And now, not a chance. I mean, it's, it's, it's Hollywood. It's not the fans like It's like the 49th Panto season. <laughs> it's like, let's make up some stories that make it look good. Yeah, so uh, there we go. Drive might, to Survive. If you have watched it, it let us know. But um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to watch it. So you can let me know also what it's Formula like. 2 and Formula 3 this weekend. Lots of British interest in there. We've got Ollie Berman coming out in Formula 2. We've got Formula 3s. So lots going on this weekend, not just the Formula 1. Okay. But I'll, enjoy, I'll probably enjoy the Formula 2 and Formula 3 races <laughs> more than the Formula 1 race. <laughs> Let's head to South Africa and another formula, which is, um, you don't hear much of this, but it's former E, of course, e. the electric cars. <laughs> but it was a good, it was, I have to say, I have to say, I mean, I'm still not sold on Formula E, but it was probably the best Formula E track and uh, crowd, had a big 25,000 crowd. But then when you watch some of the grandstands, because they got so many banners and barriers, I think the cars were probably hidden behind the concrete wall half the time from half the seats. <laughs> But it was a brilliant track because it was fast. The drivers really respected it. There was some nasty bumps in different places. All the chicanes were wall-to-wall. None of these stupid curb hopping. No track limits anywhere because it was just wall-to-wall. And quick, you know, a real driver's challenge. Um, and there was dramas all over the place because there's this bumpiness. The Mahindra cars had some suspension failures. So we started with a drama because they withdrew their cars. And the ABD, ABD team that... Uh, have the same powertrain, the Mahindra powertrain, they also withdraw. I presume they make their own rear suspension because it, I don't know how much of the cars are, you know, individual designs. They've always got the same monocoques and stuff. So we were down to 18 from 22 before qualifying. And then qualifying, uh, in fact, on the Friday already on, on the bumpy turn eight, nine, this really quick left-hander. 
You know, Sebastian Buemi lost it and planted it in the wall big time. And in qualifying, Eduardo Montaro did the same thing. And Sam Bird, next car on the scene, no yellow flags apparently, also lost it. And we think he was almost already losing it before any flags could have come out because he was so near to Montaro. And he slammed it into the wall, couldn't start, they couldn't repair the car for the race. So we'd lost, what, five cars from the grid. Um, but it was a great track. And the, the end, it was exciting at the end, but I'll come to it in a minute because it was exciting again for the artificial blooming stuff that Formula E does. <laughs> um, it was Antonio Felix da Costa that came through from 11th of the grid. Porsche power again, because Porsches have won one, two, three, now four of the five races. The Porsche power plant seems to be the one, the drivetrain seems to be the one to have. Um, the championship leader, Pascal Wellheim, also the other, his Porsche teammate, uh, he took out Boebi. Poor old Boebi crashes in practice and then got taken out in the, in the race. And again, this goes back to those no rear brakes, you know, this drive-by-wire computer decides how much regen, how much the rear's braking. Um, but Verlheim, first lap championship leader, just arrives, front wheels locked up at the end of the back straight, slams in the back of Boebi. He was also almost outbreaking himself. So that was a bit of drama. And then Jean-Éric Verne, who... Um, he battled so well in the Penske, won the last round. He's great at these races. He's doing it for years and years. And he came out, he was leading the way. Um, but then De Costa was in front. And it goes to this uh, picking up your boost activation zone. <laughs> <sighs> so De Costa's out in front leading. And he had to do one more, pick up one more activation zone. So Verma's back a bit. And all the excitement seems to be this blooming activation zones. It, it makes the races not processional because every time you go to activation zone, you lose a place and then you use the extra power boost that you've got for two minutes, going overtaking the person you've let by to take up the activation. They're almost pointless. But anyway, you miss the flipping thing. You have to go through with all four wheels over three senses. I'm not quite sure how it all works. So he went offline. So Verne overtook him then, didn't he? And um, no, not then. Verne was then on his rear gearbox so now to cost the next two laps still had to do it you have to do these activation zones so next time he did it he went into the and got it but he's now behind verb he's now got the extra power because he's been in the activation zone. <laughs> but it did mean that he caught Vern up with two laps to go and they had this amazing dice and he did this most incredible overtake around the outside but it was while Verne was doing the lift and coast to get more power back. So he was almost caught by surprise that uh, De Costa could stay on the throttle because he'd gotten a bit more power. So it, it was exciting, but only exciting because they have to go offline like a, you know, kiddies game, computer game to pick up their Mario charts. <laughs> I know. So, But it was amazing back in the third as well. Because again, you'll always get someone, it's a bit like the DRS train, so they get in Formula One. You'll end up with someone that sort of got up to third place by using too much power, but now has to back off to do the last three laps. I think it was um, Nick Cassidy that was the one in trouble, and he was backing up. The whole rest of the crib was now on his gearbox. There was also, it looks exciting. That's the point. If you if you don't know what's going on, yeah. you know, to Joe Public setting the grandstand, you say, well, look at this racing, blooming hell, you know. They don't understand that the person in the front of this pack is just backing off everywhere to, so he can get to the end. Um, but he, there was a clash with Sasha Fenestros, the, the Nissan driver was on pole position. He was running full. He got third, I think, briefly. And then, according to him, he got taken out by Cassidy on the last lap. But it wasn't on camera. 
So it was exciting. It, it was actually beautiful setting, great looking track, no silly chicanes, no curb jumping. Um, so in fact, in the end, um, Vern's now up to third in the championship. Um, despite crashing out the first out, Verlheim still leads the championship. And Jake Dennis, our British driver, he's still second in the championship, but he had another miserable weekend because um, he got done. So as in Formula One, for, for low tyre pressures, drive through, drive through penalty for having too low a tyre pressure, Mr. Wow. Dennis, in your Andretti, Andretti team, slap hands. So he was on his own at the back and finished 13th, but still stays um, second in the championship from Vernon to Costa. So it was fun, good racing and good, just looked good. Cheers. Even though, even though if, you, if you're in the know, you know it's a bit artificial. I like it because Nicky Shields and Emma, what's her name? <laughs> Emma Radicano. I don't know. No, she doesn't. She doesn't listen anyway. So we're we're okay. Crikey. Yeah, Nikki was name? out there. Oh Which other goodness. girl? Emma, the girl that does Emma, Formula One. Our friend Emma. Uh, uh, oh, anyway, anyway, it'll come back. I'm You're so getting sorry. worse than me. You are getting worse <laughs> yeah, getting than me. Worse. If I haven't noted the name down, I'll start a story and I'll forget. Oh, and the name and the name and the name one. Right, let's go to World Superbikes and, and hide my blushes because I can't remember who Emma is. Um, yeah, the other big race of the weekend was World Superbikes done amazing Philip Island. Emma I didn't Walsh. See on telly. Emma, Emma Walsh, Walsh, of course. <laughs> I thought you meant the Formula One presenter. That's the South African girl that does Formula yeah. One. She was down doing Formula E this weekend, along with the tall, lanky bloke that's going to be our new Radio 2 DJ, Vernon. Vernon K. Vernon. Yeah. Vernon was down then. Those are presenters. We need that job down in Cape Town, having a fun party. I know. Uh, also, I wouldn't mind going to the World Superbikes. Um, I said last week that Bradley Ray, the British champion, was joining, but I cocked up there because he's not joining until uh, they come to Europe. So he's missing the two away away trip races down under. Um, so we thought it would just be the Bautista Ray Razgatliogu battles all starting again. But it only went well for Bautista. He won all three of the Ducati. Amazing start to the season for him. Uh, Johnson Ray picked up only one second place. That's super Calvary. unusual, isn't it, for someone to win all three races? In, in yeah, in... not so much of those because it's just those three drivers has been dom- yeah. riders that have been dominating. But Razgatliogu, he only managed um, what two third places. Um, so Ray's second in the championship now. Uh, Razgatliogu sixth. The Italian Andrea Locatelli uh, is up in second in the points after the first round. Isn't it funny when he came into when he did the. Uh... A couple of years ago, his, his first sort of season on the circuit, and we just everyone thought he's just going to be this unbelievable sensation, blow everyone away for his whole career. And he hasn't really found his feet mm. yet, has he? Mm. What Locatelli? No, um, uh, took uh, the the you can say his name, the Razgatliogu. Oh. Yes, thank you. I thought he was going to be in, well, yeah, I thought he was going to be in, in um, MotoGP this year. I thought all the stories were, but no, he hasn't got there. A quick word, um, World Supersports are supporting the Formula 2 Championship, you might call it. Um, we're out there. We don't normally have many Brits in it. But John McPhee, who, of course, we supported so much, our Moto3 veteran, has finally escaped Moto3. I think he had to leave this year because he'd been in it for too long. Um, he got a podium on his first first race for Kawasaki, and he's fifth of the points. So a big up for John McPhee. Good stuff. So is that it from down under? Yeah, down under, over the over the pond, of course, to NASCAR, the round two, Fontana. This It was the last race at Fontana. It's a real old, beaten-up track. Uh, <laughs> it's getting a bit ratty and bumps. and uh, They haven't raced there for a whole year. It's being sold. They're selling half the land for $10 billion, billion and uh, they're rebuilding a short track in the other half they've got left. 
So it's one of the great old NASCAR tracks. It's been a favourite for many uh, drivers. And it was, it was I mean, this is how NASCAR works. I love it. So the snow came, didn't it? They're down in San, Los Angeles. I don't know where it's near Los Angeles or San Francisco. Anyway, it was snowed off, qualifying, practice, nothing. So they, they create the grid out of your results at Daytona and previous qualifying possessions. And they all rolled out on Sunday, having not done a single lap of this two-mile circuit that hasn't been raced on for a year. And they go green, 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 and off they go at 200 miles an hour. <laughs> and it's amazing. The dust and crap was coming. Obviously, they'd swept the track as much as they could with the sweepers, but there's a lot of dust cloud going on. And these drivers just adapt to the circuit, and then you quickly see uh, who's adapting better by coming forwards and who's going backwards. And they go four wide. It's a really wide, not very steeply banked, two-mile oval. Great, great racing going on. Quite Fontana, a sight. Fontana's near LA. It's um, it's LA, was it? Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's in San Bernardino Valley. Where they had uh, snow a, last weekend. I've, so I've been there when it's been, there's been ice in 1989. Actually. Was it cold? Yeah, it was a really super cold, but um, Ontario, I think, is there. For, uh-huh. so, yeah. But it was quite a yellow flag free race. It wasn't, it wasn't the most exciting race towards the end because uh, Kyle Busch came out in the lead, well, got into the lead with quite a long way to go and there was no more yellows, so he won by about two or three seconds. Um, Kyle Busch, I said, didn't I? Always get mixed up with Kyle's. Um, but it was, it was a big day because Kyle Busch has been with Toyota for I don't know how many years, the Joe Gibbs team, his famous M&M-sponsored uh, Toyota and uh, the M&M's withdrew, so Bush didn't have the money, and Bush was a bit out of favour. He's quite a moody bloke, and the public always liked to boo <laughs> Bush. But he picked up this drive with a Chevrolet this year with the Richard Childress team, which is sort of a, it's a, it's a B team for Chevrolet, really, because they're not the main Chevrolet team, but they are obviously very good. Uh, so he, he won the race, and uh, I think people even liked it because he actually beat a Richard Petty record. Richard Petty seemed to hold every record in NASCAR, this was actually the 19th year on the trot that he's made it that uh, Bush has won a race. So he's won a race um, in every year for the last 19 years. That's incredible, but, isn't it? You would have never but, imagined that. It would have never happened in Formula One, for example. But, his, but the other Richard Petty record, he's a small way behind because that made, I think that made Bush's 61st win, which put him ninth on the, the table of all-time uh, NASCAR top, top division winners. But, but Richard Petty has still hold the record for it. He did 200 wins. Wow. That's some difference, I think, I think isn't the it? guy second of the champion's got about 101. So he's, he's like wow. 100 ahead of second best. And that will never, that will be, the re- they always say records will never be broken. That record will never be broken. It, it, um, won't, you, it, it won't be broken because you just won't get that longevity, yeah, that yeah. tenure any longer. You never, yeah. you never get a dominant, you never get a car no. as dominant anymore with, you know, what with racing, you know, with the balance of powers and stuff. You, you'll never get a car that Petty had, obviously, cars. Obviously, he was the best driver, but he had the best car for so many seasons. Fantastic. The, the other Kyle, my Kyle, my Kyle. Larson went, five. Engine went, engine went very early on. I went to bed. I didn't watch the end of the race. Larson had gone. I was knackered. I had a long, had a long weekend. But uh, <laughs> I watched enough drama. The NASCAR will always entertain. So that's the other thing on, on Twitter. Because, I mean, they're just the overtaking was non-stop. I mean, I mean I'd, I'd hate to, I'd love to be able to add up how many overtakes happened on that NASCAR race because the people coming from the back. In fact, Carl Busch that won the race got caught for speeding coming into one of his pit stops and went to the back of the field. So this is what I love about NASCAR. You know, if you get the car right, you can come from the back of the field. You can come from two laps yeah. down and win the races. It's so close when um, you watch it. And they're, they're, they're literally pushing each other. It's just incredible, really, how close they get sometimes. But... Uh, 
No, with me on Twitter, I mean, nothing go overtaking Formula One. And, you know, I was having a go at Ross Braun last week because, you know, these regulations aren't working and we're stuck with it for until 2026. And they come out, oh, well, overtaking was up last year, Tiff, from to 31% from 29% or 33 I don't know. But all they quote is the total number of overtakes. There's no, I asked for someone on Twitter, well, can you break it down into stuck in the pits, DRS overtakes, tyres gone off overtakes, you know, but nobody could break it down. I hate people using useless statistics. I mean, you don't, hate, you don't hate them. You just dislike this use of statistics. You I don't hate the people. person. Yeah. I don't hate the person. Yeah. I don't hate them. I hate the, <laughs> I hate the use of, use of useless statistics, which prove nothing. So speaking of use, useless statistics, um, what do you think of the new Sky Sports lineup for Formula One? Are you, um, are you? Is there a new one? I'm not aware of the newness of it. Well, Could you update me on the newness of Formula One? I'm not. I'm not going to comment on on uh, Sky Sports commentary for testing because they they've got to do so much filling of. Uh, I didn't look at any of it. Did you watch? I didn't look at a single. Couldn't be bothered. Yeah, I did. I watched some of it, but um, it'd be interesting for the race weekend because, of course, no Johnny Herbert, no Paul De Resta. Um, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, be we mentioned this before. Yeah. We knew that. I knew that. It's nothing more than that. You haven't got any stunning news for me. No stunning news. But what oh. I do want, because next week we have got uh, Formula One Bahrain, we've got um, uh, IndyCar St. Petersburg, more World Superbikes in Indonesia, I believe, and NASCAR in Viva Las Vegas. Yes. But what I do want for you before we go, Tiff Medell, is your we'll talk about IndyCar a bit first. Just can't you can't just glance over IndyCar St. Petersburg. You must tell everybody. Make sure. After the Formula One, you watch. You've got your Sky Sports. Don't not watch IndyCar. St. Petersburg, an amazing street track. Not that good for overtaking because it's got one long straight. But we've got, of course, Jamie Chadwick making a debut in the uh, Formula Two Lights, series, yeah. which I think is also televised on Sky Sports F1. So we've got the two Brits, Louis Foster, the, the, the Formula Three champion, the Pro 200 champion from last year, and Jamie Chadwick having a go. In, oh, I hope bravery, he does well. Bravery. I really, really hope well, he does well. St. Pete is the toughest of tracks. That's what I was going to go back to. Because when you go on but watch the IndyCar, and you see the workload going through the steering wheel without power steering of those IndyCars. They end, this is the first race of the year, the toughest physically. And they will end that race, the winner, everybody else, knackered. And I think sometimes I like to see that. And this was the old Formula One, you know, Senna and Mansell drenched in sweat, collapsing on podiums. Um, whereas now they just jump out their cars, don't they? Because it's, it's so easy to operate these booming things. Uh, so it's a really, really tough track, St. Petersburg. Um, so do watch IndyCar. Good. Now, okay. now you can Formula continue. One, tell me. So I'm going for Max George oh, Carlos. Oh, Max Verstappen. Max Whoa. George Carlos. But oh, Are you giving me a whole top three? That's my top three, yeah. Who are you going for? Max, Max. George Carlos. It's obviously going to be Max. Carl- with Perez. Perez will be six, probably. Uh, <laughs> and I think, I think, sure. No, I'm, I'm going for Lewis second, Leclerc third. Okay, that's it. Oh, George. And George is in there. So I'm, I'm going a Max. No, yeah, Max. Lewis. Lewis. Ch- Charles. Charles, okay. That, see, I'm doing a bit of reverse psychology myself. I want Lewis. I'm a, I'm a big Lewis fan. Um, but if I say George, then maybe Lewis will beat him. Because every time I say Lewis, George beats Lewis. <laughs> That's my thinking anyway. So that could... Right, let's start planning how to buy Alpha Tauri. The love cars go Formula One. I tell you, Calvin Ho, he's our man. Let's just get in with Calvin Ho. Okay. 
You can be the PR man. I'll be the driver coach. Multi-billionaire. I don't think you're going to be able to coach them that much these days, Tiff, because uh, <laughs> the cars have changed a little bit since you bought day. <laughs> On that note, thanks for joining. We'll see you next week. Cheers all. Bye. See you guys.